Hey, 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 it's Tanya Stokes, and you're listening to Let's Chat with Tanya Stokes. Today, we are talking with Robert Blygen out of Charleston, South Carolina. So you guys are going to learn a lot about this young man. I'm so impressed and so pleased to introduce you guys to my homeboy, Robert Blygen. So listen up and let me know what you think. So I'm just going to segue into why I thought you would be a good fit for um, my podcast. So first of all, I want to welcome you to the podcast. Um, look, every time I'm on social media, <laughs> every like every now and then, you will just pop up in my feed. And I'm like, come through, Robert Blygen. <laughs> like, come through. So, man, so I had to reach out to you, um, especially with some of the projects that you have going on. And I was like, dude, like, I want to talk to you on that next level, um, just to kind of pick your brain a little bit. And so you can open up a little bit and kind of let people know what's going on. So, like, how long have you been cutting? How long have I been cutting hair? Yeah. Yeah. I got my license in 2001. I've been a businesswoman since um, 2005. That's when I opened my first shop in 2005. I've been cutting hair since I was 14. So that would have been by 1991. Wow. Look, I, I it didn't seem like you were cutting that long. And I was thinking, gosh, it seems like Rob got started just before I left. I left Charleston in 2002. So you got your license in 2001. And I was thinking, damn, he has done so much in this short span of time. And that's what I want to talk about. I want to unpack that. Can you, is your volume turned all the way up? Do I sound like I'm far away? Just a little bit. All right. Let me switch. Hold on. Let me take it off the car phone and put it straight on the phone. phone. Okay. All right. Is that any better? Much better. Thank you so much. Yeah, that's much better. All right. <laughs> okay. great, so, great. so how many barbershops do you currently own? Uh, eight currently. Oh, my God. So before I called you, I was thinking, gosh, the last time I spoke with Rob, I, I think I was on Facebook. And you had an ad like, hey, guys, if you're going to be in Atlanta, I will be teaching at Bronner. And I was like, what? <laughs> this dude is getting ready to teach at Bronner? Are you still teaching? I know, of course, we're, we're not going to Bronner now because of COVID. But are you still in education in any form? Yeah, um, typically uh, because of the absence of hair shows, I've been doing more of your continuing ed, you know, for cosmetologists, right. continuing ed classes. Right. So they're allowing us to start teaching more on um, business because business is not necessarily product driven. Okay. Okay. Now, do so you have to have a license to do that? Do you have to have a um, instructor's license to teach continuing ed courses? Actually, you don't. Okay. Uh, you know. That's how it is here. Somebody has to, be, somebody has to have a license in that lineup. Mm -hmm. Every presenter does it. As mm -hmm. long as one of the two or three that you have does, you're good. Okay, cool. But I do have an instructor license. I personally do. Nice. So how many times have you taught at Bronner? Oh, gosh. Um, every Bronner since 2010. Shut up! <laughs> every Bronner since 2010. I, I love it. Now, are you teaching with a brand 
or are you are you the brand? Are you coming as Robert Blygen the barber? Yeah, yeah, I'm the brand actually. Um, I love I'm it. The brand. Yeah, I did platform work for Basic Hair Care out of Atlanta, Georgia for mm-hmm. about a few years, you know, and helped them as far as the um, development side of the grooming line that they have, for, right. you know, for men mostly. Mm-hmm. So I kind of help with, you know, how to use them or, you know, things of that nature, what scent and, what, you know, why this and why not that. Right. So I did that for a couple of years, but um, now it's more so about the brand. I'm trying to teach more on the business side because I think, you know, we've seen enough hair cutting. People got to understand. Oh my gosh. Yes. Say it, man. I I don't think anybody else needs to learn another haircut or another way to style. I do think that coming right out of cosmetology and barber school, um, you know, somebody kind of needs to hold your hands and kind of take you to through the basics, the the basic fundamentals that, you know, because they don't really go that deep in school. They kind of teach you to pass the exam. Um, but I just don't think if you've been in the business for a long time, you need another barber class. You really need that educational piece as far as business, because you don't get a lot of business in barber school or cosmetology school. You just, you just, you don't. No, you really don't. <clears throat> so you that's, really don't. And, and that's the problem we were running into out here. So with us having a amount of shots we have, um, we would get new talent from the barber schools mm-hmm. and they couldn't, they couldn't cut. They were out of a paper bag. Mm. So it's like, okay, now you got to teach this person how to, you know, do a quality haircut. Right. But then you got a client that's expecting a professional, you know, a professional um, result. Right. But they're looking, there's a license on the wall, so this person should be able to execute the haircut. Yeah, because you had a lot of time they to play. The school to teach them nothing. funny because you know you know we do that for real like don't go to that first person (laughs) wait wait for rob so people do that hey they do that in in the cosmetology world as 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 well so i definitely understand that so hey let's talk about these eight barbershops where are they located okay Okay, so the first barbershop is in northwest mall by burlington in our north shop so that's shop number one Shop number two is Cut Bar, which is on the opposite side of the same mall. Wow. Which is by, this is by Dillard. Uh-huh. So Cut Bar is our first commission project. So Barbers Inc. 1 is uh, booth rent still. Mm-hmm. Um, Cut Bar is commission. So then after Cut Bar, uh, we have a joint venture with Charmin Clark, which is called Forever Hair. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's a salon in this same mall on the other entrance. Dang. So that's three small. Then we have Barbara's Link Lasting Crossing near the fairgrounds. Mm-hmm. And now uh, that's a 10 chair uh, barbershop uh, commission. Then we have um, the two Walmart locations, which is our newest kind of project that we started dabbling with. So now we're inside Walmart. Where the Smart Styles used to be, we started taking over Smart Styles. So we got one in Walmart on Elizabeth Avenue and one on the Walmart at uh, Tanger Outlet. Man, 
Then we have uh, the Goose Creek location, which is our barber school. So it's technically a barber shop now, but we're going in front of state board in April mm-hmm. to change the format and make it an official barber school. So that's where that's going to be our, our farm to provide um, talent and actually teach them the business and the cutting skills and everything else. And then last but not least, we have the um, Greenville location, Haywood Mall. <laughs> number eight. Yeah, that's number eight. Yeah. Man, how do you feel right now? Now, are these um, sole proprietorship? I know you mentioned um, someone else uh, for one of your shops. Is that the only partnership you have? Or are you franchising? It's a a real broad broad, uh, partnership. So what it is, each shop is its own separate entity. Okay. You know, each shop is its own LLC. You know what I'm saying? So, like, liability-wise, if someone slipped and fall and fall in one shop, they can't do all eight. Right. Right. Nice. So now, good protection. Have, uh, go ahead. Good protection. Yeah, definitely. I learned that one. Mm-hmm. And uh, so after that, so my original, my me and Kevin Young are the two principals of, of the business. So myself and Kevin Young, we the two main partners. And from there, what we started doing is promoting everyone from within because you would get three years out of the average barber, and then they want to open up their own thing. Yeah. So we we had a meeting with them because we both had a mass walkout at some point. You know, I had a mass walkout before, and so did he. So we were like, all right, what we'll do is we'll get him an opportunity to open up a shop, but open up with us. Smart. Coming our competition, right? So we we asked them, and three people went and raised their hands. They wanted to be owners. Nice. We opened up the first shop first uh, with one of them in November of eighteen. And so basically, we did it where everybody had a, a third of the business, so 33 and a third, right? Right. And uh, so I had a third, Kevin had a third, and this new barber has a third. Nice. And so the next time, you know, so that's one, and then we did one with, um, so that's Jacob, Jacob Holmes, and then we did another one with um, Michelle um, Mackey. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the next partner coming up will be um, Lydell Snipe. Nice. He's going to do the Walmart and Monk's Corner. So we're going to, that'll be a three-way split with him as well. And uh, so every, all of those original people that wanted to own, we put each of them in a position to own something. Oh my gosh, that is amazing. You know, um, I, I listen to other, what I would call brand influencers talk about, uh, 
the industry and the direction the industry is headed in. And, you know, some things they're saying, I think is on point. And then some things are just not on point um, as far as I am concerned. You know, now when you write your business plan, it's on point for you and your business plan. But I remember listening to a couple and they were barbers and they kept talking about salon suites, salon suites, salon suites. Oh, it's the death of you. It's this, it's that, it's that. And I used to feel that way. And I remember being on their live um, saying, you know, you got to give people an opportunity to grow. Like you can't take a creative, right? Because that's what we all are salon barbers and barbers, hairstylists, makeup artists, estheticians. You know, we're all artists, right? So we're naturally right. creative people. So you can't take a creative and say, sit here, do this, follow my rules. Like you got to give them some wiggle room, right? So, so yeah. even though, you know, there are ways to do it because we've seen it happen at the malls. Like, you know, the mall, you sign a contract, but then they have... Um, rules. They have laws and bylaws that you must follow or you must leave. You could take that same concept and put it in a barbershop or, or a salon and just do the damn thing. But you also have to give people wiggle room because we're creative folks and we are constantly trying to find another way to grow, to flourish. And I think saying, hey, guys, we love that you guys are here with us. You guys believe in us. But if you ever choose to open a barbershop, we have a way for you to do that and still be partners with us. I think that is freaking genius. Because oftentimes what happens is the stylist or the barber gets mad, pack their shit and leave. And you know they left when you showed up the next day. <laughs> like, exactly. They don't even exactly. give you the respect of saying, yo, I'm not happy, I'm out. Now, here's the worst one for me. I had one leave and they took four of my people with them. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so literally I had five people walk out in one day. I'm like, okay. But when okay. stuff like that happens, because we, you and I both know that that happens all the time. That's nothing new in our industry. Yeah. But when stuff like that happens, do you naturally go inside of yourself to say, what did I do for these people to treat me this way? Or do you say, you know, they just wasn't a good fit. Screw them. Life goes on. Who, who who takes the blame when that happens? I'm just curious. Asking for a friend. <laughs> All right. This is going to be an unpopular answer for this. But both, both parties hold, a little, hold some blame in it. Okay. Both parties hold something. You know what I'm saying? There is some there is something, because people don't usually leave a job. They leave, they leave bad management most of the time. Mm-hmm. something that you neglected to do that they were asking you to do. And yep. you just, like... I ain't doing that, or I don't feel like it, or it wasn't in the budget, or for whatever reason, you didn't come through, and that gave them enough, you know, that that created the opening for the other person to whisper in their ear, like, hey, why don't you come on over here with me? I know you want to have this, so I'm going to do the flat screens, so I'm going to do the wooden floors, or whatever it is you're asking for. Right. So I'll do that, because they done heard the person complain about it for the last two years. Yep. So a little bit of that is on us, and then some of it is on them, as far as the integrity issue. Some of it is on them. Yeah. So, so yeah. So both yeah. parties. Yeah, I definitely looked at myself. That's why I came up with the idea. Let's let's just create an opportunity for them to grow. So 
so that they don't feel like they got to leave us to do it. Okay. You know, so that was one thing. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense you because. You want to partner with us. Not like, no, I don't want to partner. No, I don't want to <laughs> <laughs> But you're right because, you know, people, people buy into people. People want to work with people. And I mean, of course, common sense says we can't constantly keep changing our business model to suit one person. So maybe this is just not the right place for you, but it's always smart to go inside to see what it is you possibly did so that you don't make the same mistake with the next person. So, yeah. So now what I started doing is having exit interviews, you know, like, you know, like I sit down and make them give me an exit interview as to why they left. And, you know, here's your opportunity to tell me what we could do differently, you know, as a business. You know, well, what would you like to see change that did not change right. while you were there? And then they'll give you the list of things that, and, I, and, you know, I'll be honest, a lot of them are good ideas. A lot mm-hmm. of them are good ideas. You know, some of them, you know, may not be because they don't understand, the, you know, the other side of the business. Mm-hmm. But a, a lot of times they have some pretty good ideas. And so I just jot them down and the ones we can implement, I'll implement, you know. So are all of your barbershops fully staffed? All except one. All except one. Okay. Because yeah, and- that, that one is intentionally not staffed because we know we're going to transition it into the school. So, we, you know, we kind of got a real light staff over there for now. Nice. And are they um, strictly barbershops or do you have a stylist in there as well? Uh, they are, okay, the only one that's a salon salon is Forever Hair, okay. but, um, Cut Bar has one, two, three hairstylists, and the other six people are barbers. Okay. So that's the only shop that actually has a stylist in it, and Greenville, the Haywood Mall location, that has, um, that has two stylists in it. Cool. And are they multicultural salons or is it like 80% African-American barbers? Like, or you just have it's an even mixture? They are all, all kind of mixed up. Um, I'd say our mall shops are probably 50-50. Okay. Um, Barber Zinc, Barber Zinc is more so of a 60-40, 60 black, 40 white. Um, cut bar is more of a 50-50 split. And then, um, all the Walmart shops are probably about 60-40. Okay. 60-40 Okay, cool. So let's get into this whole Walmart thing. So that was the thing that, you know, amongst all the other great things you have going on, I was like, well, come through Rob with your... (laughs) With your barbershop in Walmart, that must have been a great feeling because Walmart, Walmart has so much traffic. How is how are your barbershops in Walmart? How are they doing? They are booming. I bet. I bet. Now, what are your hours? Do you keep Walmart hours or, you know? Yeah, right now we do uh, ten o'clock to nine o'clock at night. Um, Okay. Uh, Tuesday through Saturday, and then our Sundays and Mondays are like half days, so we do like twelve to five on uh, Sunday and Monday. Okay. But um, yeah, so Walmart could be closed about ten o'clock at night. Walmart, actually, not just Walmart, but the mall as well. I think that is awesome. I mean, I've seen a few African American barbershops in different in different malls, you know, as you travel. But um, yeah, I don't know the owner. 
You know what I mean? (laughs) So, so man, look, I am so blown away, just elated about everything that you have going on because, you know, we see what, what we call, um, I don't know, big wig brand influencers or whatever all the time. And, you know, some of these people have a, a very long track record and then some of them were an overnight success, you know, but, you know, as you keep popping up on my timeline, I was like, yo, I know that dude, <laughs> like that's my homeboy. And you are doing the damn thing. And just going back to the the fact that you started in 2001, like you have accomplished a lot. Now, do you give your, your barbers the opportunity to kind of move around? Like say they wanted to transfer, they're moving to the Greenville area. They could just transfer to that barbershop. Yes, yes. We, uh, Come on we're, now. We're, <laughs> That's yeah, what's up. We do that. That's exactly what we do. Matter of fact, we have a company apartment that we, that we rent. Come on. Other people want to if someone wants to go in North Charleston, hey, let me go cutting Greenville this weekend. I right, go ahead. They Are you serious? Place. Yeah, they got a place to stay. They just got to get there. And, uh, I'm yeah, loving it. Let them do that. This sounds like a corporate barbershop. Yeah, that's, that's, what we're, that's our aim. Yeah. That's our aim. Nice. That's our aim. We, we looked at it like this. I think uh, Regis, when they had 7,000, they had, had 7,000 shops, they had 10 at their peak. <laughs> But they had 7,000 at the time, and I did the research. And uh, Great Clips had about 2,500, and Sport Clips had about 1,100. Mm-hmm. And those combined, they were only touching 7% of the market. Wow. So wow. They're, still in the, they're still 93% unt- untapped, mm-hmm. you know, by like one big chain. So, you know, our goal is to become one of those big chains. and. What we've been doing is just gobbling up all the former uh, Regis and Smart Style salons. They told we just gobble them up. That's, That's smart. Where did this desire come from? Um, you know, because you know, some of us just want our own shop. You know what I mean? I just want my right. own. I want my own place where I can go and cut hair. You know, I want to be. You know, this business owner, and and I keep telling people I, they hate when I say stuff like this. Like, you don't own a business; you own a job. <laughs> if you don't go to work, you don't get paid. That's a job. When you own a business, you can sit home, put your feet up on the couch, and you are still making money, which is what you and and you know some of your partners are doing. But so, where did this drive to to next level? This whole barber game come from wow i when i first got in the industry i started reading books like american salon mm-hmm. and they were showing you know salons like eric fisher that had 11 locations mm-hmm. and uh then they started talking about haircut we had like 900 mm-hmm. and so that was my first um chance to see somebody do it big you know but they, it was i didn't see anyone of color mm-hmm. so then i met um, Al Austin and uh, Ron McKenzie and Stan Powell in Atlanta. They had ten barbershops in Atlanta. Mm. You know, black you know black guys, ten barbershops. They were doing like one point five million in two thousand two. Nice with the nine locations. So that exposed me to okay, you know, excellence. You know, done by us. So I'm like, all right, I'm gonna do that right there. That's what I'm gonna do. <laughs> so, so okay. that kind of gave me the the you know. The blueprint, and I actually met with those brothers, and they shared their business model with me. And uh, I took a little bit of that business model that they shared with me, as well as talking to No Grease 
Charlotte. Mm-hmm. And she had a lot of their business model with me. And we kind of like a hybrid of the two. And so uh, my goal was just to create, I really wanted to create, uh, I'm going to say it like this. I think black people should be the number one employer of other black people. Come on now. So I wanted to create something that way we could create not yes. jobs, but career opportunities and ownership opportunities for people that look like us. Yes. Nice. That's what my heart really was. Yeah. So I knew it had to be bigger than just one, two, three, four, five locations. You know, we had to get like out there to like a thousand is, is the goal. I love so it. I love it. And if I could add to your reading material, um, E-Myth Revisited by Michael E. Gerber, that's an excellent book um, to read. He he gives you a good example of how, you know, you have the technician that just wants to go in their place and do the thing, do the job, right? Whereas, you know, it's, it's more to that than owning a business. You know, you have to be able to duplicate yourself so that people can do what you do. And then you can go build the next business. And before you know it, you're no longer behind the chair. You're just moving. And and McDonald's not getting into it. But McDonald's is a great example of how that happened. So I just want to applaud you for all the great things that you are doing. Because I'm like, damn. Like he's, I, I had no idea you had eight barbershops. I do remember, I don't know if you remember this, um, a few years ago, one of the barbers from my building was going to, I think it was Atlanta, either Atlanta or Charleston. And I was like, yo, you got to look up my homeboy. Right. So at that time, you had a barbershop in Atlanta, correct? That's right. Nice, 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 nice. So you closed that barbershop. Yeah, I closed that one right around it because I had just opened that shop and then I got divorced immediately after. So when that happened, I was like, all right, do I fight to keep it? Nah, let me... Let me make sure I got firm footing so I don't really close that one down. Right. Now, I'm going to inject a little secret sauce here. Okay. Um, I really started observing multi-site churches and how they operate. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Multi-site, like Elevation Church in Charlotte mm-hmm. or, you know, stuff like that. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. What, what kind of culture are you creating that you can actually get people to come into a building and watch a pastor on a TV screen? Come on now. Come on. Like, what kind of culture are you creating? You know, what are you doing behind the scenes, business principle-wise? Yeah. To create an environment where people will do this. And people will volunteer to set up this high school and break it down every Sunday. Every Sunday. Doing? And so <laughs> I went and I asked them. And I said, hey, what are y'all doing? And they literally showed me what they're doing. And they showed me how they do things. I was going through some church planner workshops just to kind of get a, a understanding of what they were doing. Yeah. And then I just brought it over into barbershops. Right. The planning barbershops, basically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's some that's kind of helped me spray it fast. Yeah. Because basically the same principles today. And people want, want to hear that. They want to be a part of that. And it's good for you to, to look at what other people are doing and say, you know what, I am going to recreate this in my town and blow up. Cause that's what you're doing. Yeah. I mean, you, and you're just like quietly doing your thing. Like I was just looking at your page before I called you. I was like, this dude is so humble. Just 
You know, some people be like, yo, check it out. I got eight barbershops, you know, and they always say the empty, the empty wagon makes a lot of noise, but you're just like humbly climbing up the ladder. And I see now that you have an ebook called the blueprint and you're giving it away. Tell me, tell me why you decided to give it away versus selling it in a master class. <laughs> you know, ironically, it's, uh, <laughs> it's the um I forgot the technical term for it, but that's the uh, that's gonna be my lead generator basically. Yeah, you're dripping. That's that drip campaign. I love it. I love it. Cause let me I started laughing when I said masterclass because I just said something on social media about the masterclass. So like you get this, I'm gonna give you all this good stuff, all the good stuff. But if you want to learn like behind the scenes and the foundation of the whole thing, yo, that's a masterclass. And that's gonna cost you a couple hundred dollars. That isn't free. And the thing is, most people need the masterclass. You really don't need that. You know what I mean? You need the masterclass. Like I was, um, I was on a workshop online and the guy asked, does anybody know who, who built this building that we're in? And people were just looking at him like, dude, that's not why we're here, <laughs> you know? And he kept asking like foundational questions. You know, and everybody's just kind of shifting their weight, like, this is not why we're here. And he says, you know, the one thing that you guys don't know is the thing that makes a business. When you find out about the foundation of a business, then you can build a business and sustain in any economy, right? Because there's no such thing as a there's no such thing as bad marketing, a bad market, there's bad marketing. So if you don't understand the foundation of marketing, then when the economy changes or, you know what I mean? When things change in your life, you are going to fall flat on your face because you only care about what's in front of you. But when you take the time to research the foundation which is what you did when you started talking to other business owners and, you know, elevation to find out like, how the heck are they able to do this and kind of recreate themselves, which is what Michael E. Gerber talks about all the time. When you understand the foundation, then you can sustain in any economy, even COVID-19 that's taken so many people away from us. And that it's been the death of so many businesses. That is so true because we had to adapt because now our mall locations are operating with 21 less hours a week than we used to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, because the mall is only open from 11 to 7. We used to be open from 10 to 9. So now we're missing 21 hours that we used to earn revenue. Right. Yeah. So is your, yeah. is your drip campaign working? Um, have you gotten pretty good responses from your Blueprint ebook? Good response, good response. Matter of fact, a lot of leads. So mm -hmm. that, uh, which I'm actually gonna roll out this master class soon. All right. So when I roll out this master class, we, uh, I'm, I'm hoping for. I got a lot of leads. So I'm hoping people bite on it. I got right. A lot of leads. Right. Hopefully, people bite on it. Has any one of your barbers been impacted by COVID? Like, how has that changed your business at all? I know you said you had to cut your hours, but have you lost barbers? Um. And what changes did you guys make for 
your barbers as it relates to the lack of income that they have received? Wow. Well, mm-hmm. um, I mean, we, we helped a lot of barbers out financially. Mm-hmm. Um, financially, we, we definitely helped some people pay some bills during the times that they weren't working. Nice. So we helped a lot, a lot with rent and car payments and things of that nature. Were they um, able to get yeah. unemployment? Um, yes, we figured out a way to get that done. So they were able, but you know, during that little period where they where they weren't getting anything, mm-hmm. we definitely had to help some people out. So we did find a way to get it done. Nice. So how are you guys managing, like wearing the mask and do you, cause I know in South Carolina, the laws are a little different. Y'all don't have like the mask mandate that, that we have here in North Carolina. Um, right. do, 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 do you have any issues with clients? Like, oh, I wanted to get my hair cut, but since you guys aren't masked up, I changed my mind. Uh, I would say what you get is you get a lot of people booking earlier appointments now. So okay. it definitely forced us to come to work early. Okay. Because people think the earlier they come, the less people are going to be there. Okay. That's been more of it than, you don't really have a lot of people walking away, but more so they just book very early or they mm-hmm. book early in the week thinking less people. So that's kind of been the adjustment. Or the older people won't come in the barbershop at all. Okay. And the older, I'm talking about your 80-year-old or 75-year-old, some of them want you to come to them. And yeah, so, you know, I and, a few barbers that need a lot of that. Yeah, I didn't really understand why the barbershops didn't um adhere to not all of them, but some of them didn't really adhere to the mask mandate because I mean, when you think about it, I mean, is the wearing the mask really affecting the haircut at all or is it just the hair getting on the mask or is it just uncomfortable that a lot of people don't want to wear it? Uh, it's uncomfortable for most people. Mm-hmm. However, you know, we wear them at our businesses. We wear them. But um, there's parts like, okay, certain chain salons won't do beers at all because that means they got to take the mask off. Okay. So certain chains won't won't do your beard at all. Right. Um, most barbershops, though, you know, locally owned, yeah, go ahead and take the mask off so we can do your beard. And mm-hmm. then once we do the beard, you put it back on. Okay. Nice. You know, that's kind of what we've been doing. Um, but yeah, most people, they don't like it because it's uncomfortable uh, for them. But just for the sake of, you know, public perception, you know, mm-hmm. we, we wear them, you know, just for that. Nice. All right, man. I'm going to let you get out of here. What's next for you? You got the master class. Um, you're going to open eight more barbershops in the next eight years. <laughs> like, what's yeah, next? Bronner is going <laughs> to launch in New Orleans in August. So we're going to be. You're going to Bronner. Yeah, in, in New Orleans in August. Um, we're teaching at Paul Mitchell now, like every quarter, mm-hmm. you know, doing presentations to, you know, kind of recruit more people. Um, we got a few more Walmarts coming in uh, 20, in this year and next year. And we right. got two more Walmarts coming this year and two more coming next year. They're right. So far on the dorm floor. Right. So they're just, uh, and, and in our barber school, so that's, that'll be our main focus. A barber school and, and the new, you know, and just our infrastructure, just tightening up our infrastructure. Man, I applaud everything you have going on. You know, I I was uh, watching someone's video on YouTube, and they gave this analogy of a ladder, and and when she did that, like I snatched it up immediately, and she talked about how you know a ladder is vertical, right? And as you 
is you take steps up the ladder. They call them rungs. You have that space in between each rung. The thing is, you don't know what's going to happen in between those spaces, right? So it, it takes energy to go up and down that ladder and your energy increases and decreases. And listening to you talk earlier where you were like, I went through a divorce and I lost it all, right? And then you were able to rebuild that. And just using the ladder as a mat, as a metaphor, um, how do you maintain that same drive in between those spaces to keep climbing that ladder? What keeps you focused on um, the end game? Your why. Your why has to be bigger than you. Your, your why has to be so big that you, you can't let your emotions or how you feel uh, determine whether you're going to execute. Yeah. Your why got to yeah. be so big. Yeah. yeah. It, it, I told you what my why is. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. You know, my why was looking at, I don't know if you're familiar with, um, good Lord, um, Herman, uh, he built all, most of the buildings in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. So his name is uh, Herman he was where Bob Martin, the King of Malcolm X, out there on the front line mm-hmm. fighting. Mm-hmm. He was the guy behind the scenes bailing him out of jail. So he he was a part of the civil rights, you know, struggle. But he was in the in the boardrooms doing business with white men. Mm-hmm. You know, but he knew his place was I'm the money behind it. Wow. So, is this Herman? Is it Herman Russell? That's it. Yeah, Herman Russell. That's okay. It. I, I didn't know. I Googled it real quick. Google is a beast. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, look him up. And basically, that's kind of how I'm saying it. You know what I'm saying? I'm just as revolutionary as anyone else. But I know I do it from the boardroom. Good. So, good. So that's my why. So I can't I can't be moved by I had a bad week, bad day, uh, bad breakup. Right. You know what I'm saying? My you got to keep so going. You have a firm foundation, so of course you know how to handle yourself in any situation. All right, man, I'm gonna let you get out of here, but where can we find you on social media? Where can we find you? Have a website? Oh my, okay. So uh, Instagram, the uh, Robert Blasen um, on Instagram, and uh, Facebook, um, same thing, um, Robert Blasen, and uh, see Twitter. Is Rob the Barber, and in my website, we're we're working on it as we speak. Nice, uh, nice. That's that's how to find me. All right, man. Thank you so much for your time. It's so good to talk to a homeboy, home home man. We're old now, so we're (laughs) the home man. (laughs) Yo, keep doing what you're doing. I'm just telling you, like I'm on the sidelines as a fan, like just cheering you on. Like I know that dude, you know. So keep doing your thing, and maybe I'll take a master class that you offer. I don't have, um, I'm not a barber, but you know, we're hairstylists and we do barbering anyway, but, um, yeah, I'd love to support you. Um, jump in one, one of your classes and, um, Hey, the rest is history, right? Thank thank you so much. Thank you, man. Go ahead back and cut some hair. All right. Bye. (laughs) Robert Blygen. Um, out of Charleston, South Carolina. I had no idea he had eight barbershops. I love hearing stories like that. And I mean, when you think about it, he just got started in 01. 
So what is that thing that, you know, you keep putting aside? You know, you keep pondering on it and you're like, nah, I'll do that later. You know, what is that thing that keeps you up at night? And when somebody asks you a question about it, it makes you smile. You know, it just lights you up. What is that thing? Whatever that thing is, you need to tap into it. I promise you, you cannot go wrong with tapping into that thing that makes you smile. And I feel like that's what what he did. He knew his why. And even when he was down, it was his why that got him up. So I need you to focus on your why. Be clear about your why. And let's get it done. Let's get this money, man. Let's build these businesses and let's employ people. People of all races. That's why we're doing it, right? That's why we're here. We are here to be a blessing to others. And make sure that God can trust you with it. Because the more you do for others, the more you get. Because he can trust you with it. So until we talk again, you guys take care. Um, And stay safe out there. Make sure you mask up, follow the rules. And um, I, I want you to be around to listen to me chat with someone else or perhaps chat with you. Feel free to send me an email at info at tanyastokes.com if you'd like to be on the show, if you think you have something to say that's going to add value. Um, I do not write my questions out. I just kind of go with the flow. I normally talk to people that I've been watching for a minute, people that I feel are pure, people that are genuine, and I just feel like the conversation is going to flow. So um, yeah, if you think you have something that could possibly add value to my show, I would love to chat with you about it. Um, Again, send me an email at tanyastokes.com, info at tanyastokes.com, and we'll talk again soon. You're listening to another episode of Let's Chat with Tanya. Bye.